Looking for headphones with a safer, open-ear design so you can talk with those around you or hear your environment? Keep listening to the show to find out more about how you can get 40% off a set of Aftershocks headphones, including the new Bluetooth stereo model, or visit saratalk.com to get the discount code right now. Comments made on the Saratalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Saratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Out of my way, little robot. I'm afraid I've been left here to stop you. You? Stop me? No, really, I have. What are you armed with? Guess. Guess? Yes, go on, you'll never guess. Um... Laser beam. No. No, no, no. Too obvious, I suppose. Uh, how about an electron ram? What's that? One of these! No, not one of those. Good though, isn't it? Very good. Uh, I know, I know. One of those things with trills and whoosh, um... You're thinking along the wrong lines, you know. You're failing to take into account something very basic in the relationship between men and robots. Um... I know it, I know it, I've seen them, uh, quite big, um... You, no, just think, they left me, an ordinary menial robot, to stop you, a gigantic heavy-duty battle machine, whilst they ran off to save themselves. What do you think they would leave me with? Or, something pretty damn devastating, I expect. Expect, oh yes, expect. I'll tell you what they gave me to protect myself with, shall I? Alright. Nothing. What? Nothing at all. Not an electronic sausage. What? Doesn't that just take the biscuit? And me with this terrible pain and all the diodes down my left side. Yeah? Oh, that makes me angry. Think I'll smash this wall down. That's very impressive. What? You ain't seen nothing yet. I can take this floor out too. No trouble. What a depressingly stupid machine. Hello and welcome back to End of Line. I am Ranger1138 along with the Rockstar. What, I don't get a rolled R? I can't be the Rockstar? I am not Sylvester McCoy. I, I wish I was. <laughs> um, I'd be in The Hobbit. That's kind of cool. Uh, suffering along with us again and also along with you at home. Welcome back to the third chair. Uh, <clears throat> the Reevesman himself. Welcome, Kevin. How you do? Hey, how's it going? I think he likes the straps in that chair, actually. We <laughs> kind of unhooked him, and he just sat there. This is true. This is true. We um, we opened the show with a quote. It is the 35th anniversary of The Guide. And if you don't know what I mean by The Guide, then you is in trouble. Because we're going to be talking about that a lot during 2013, I would imagine. And uh, I agree with that. That's, that's a very good outlook to have. Don't panic. Don't panic. Okay, go ahead and panic. Sorry, it's from the same episode that this quote was from. Uh, and you can find a quote of said thing that we actually did there on eolshow.com, our official homepage, where you can find all the show notes and all the stuff that we usually talk about. In fact, 
you can find out about a lot of the information, and many people do, as we've been told in this iReport. Hi, this is Janine Meinbeck from Austin, Texas, and I have a couple of comments. The first is for EOL episode 7 of 9521251 whatever extras. I just want to say, gosh, I love you guys. I listen to every EOL there is because I love all the stuff you guys love. And it might have been a shortened, quote-unquote, EOL episode, but I was kind of glad because I didn't have to stay up for four hours while I was trying to fall asleep and not wanting to fall asleep because I wanted to listen to EOL. On the other hand, I wanted more. So keep it up. Good work. Awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed EOL episode 7 to 9, 1, 2, 5, extras, or whatever it should be called. Thanks, Janine. Appreciate it. We've been away forever and ever and ever, and we've had that I report just waiting to get its chance in the sun or uh, yeah, we've got in a lot of stuff to catch up on. Something. You know, and like mayonnaise that's been left in the sun, which is our secret sauce, we're here with more information and entertainment, knock on wood, hopefully for you in this episode. And, uh, you know, I just don't think we could get right back into the swing of things the way we used to. So... Let's change it up a little. Let's drop the beat. In this new segment, we are going to talk about records that have uh, major influence on pop culture or our lives or really just the song that Rockstar can't get out of her head and she has to talk about on Twitter endlessly and endlessly. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting records out there and hopefully by us talking about them, you might discover them as well. Rockstar, what record's been stuck in your head? Well, you know, we were talking about albums that influenced us, you know, things that are classics for us. And I swear I wanted to choose one for each decade because they're all my favorites. I love them all. Uh, the obvious <laughs> one <laughs> for me, <laughs> yes, I can't pick just one. The obvious one for me is Dream Theater Images and Words, and anybody who knows me knows that's my favorite album of all time. They never quite managed to uh, pull off one exactly like it. But since that's the expected one, I've actually chosen another one for this time. And uh, to me, this is classic 80s. Nobody can uh, rock your face off quite like these guys. And they just represent a sound that a lot of people kind of copied. But to me, these guys were the best at it. Uh, and I'm talking about Dio. So the album I chose was The Last in Line. This is The Last in Line. I love this one because it's just straightforward not particularly complicated rock. And you can't listen to this without rocking out to it. And then you want to follow it up with all sorts of albums that sound similar, but just aren't quite as good. So uh, yeah, this is one that's stuck with me for 30 years or so. Well, the, the title track and the video, of course, the video being iconic, something that, that got showed on Friday night videos or your local television trying to cash in on Friday night videos in the MTV generation. It was just one of those that you, you saw a lot of. I'm, I'm thinking of, believe it or not, in Houston had one of those rock and roll late night shows 
101k lol and they had uh this is one of their favorite videos that they would show on this little rock and roll army kind of thing but with the iconic lead track out of the way what other tracks are on this record that jump out name two or three well as i mentioned i like them all but there are a couple of things about this album that i am very amused by so I kind of came up with my own potential Dio song that's a, a combination of several of these. And it's Don't Talk to Rainbows, because they're only there till you see the light. And uh, the, I mean, there's just these themes that run through this album. Him talking about rainbows, him talking about what's real and what's not, and uh, darkness and light. And it gets talked about so much that, yes, I, I do have to laugh about it a little bit. But two of my favorites from this album, aside from The Last in Line, are Rainbow in the Dark and Don't Talk to Strangers. That being iconic as it is, Mr. Reeves, uh, any of those songs twig your fancy? I love Rainbow in the Dark. I mean, that's a great tune. Dio's just an amazing voice. And, uh, I mean, R.I.P., seriously. I mean, the guy was... absolutely. And you know that he was around in the 50s, like late 50s, early 60s. If you look at his Wikipedia article, it was like Ronnie and the Red Caps. He had all these bands. Like he, you know, he was like 70 something. How old was he when he died? Uh, I believe he was 72. Yeah. And he was still recording. He actually um, was working on a new concept record. Uh, at the time that he passed, one of those tracks actually did get recorded, and of course, it was uh, mythological in nature. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't be uh, you couldn't be Dio without singing about mythological stuff. I love him in um, Tenacious D, the uh, Pick of Destiny. He has he has a great role where he literally comes off the poster in Jack Black's bedroom and uh, speaks to him. And uh, it's really interesting if you if you're a big D fan, uh, you know there's the song Dio, where Jack says that it's time for Dio to pass the torch. Dio has rocked for a long, long time. Now it's time for him to pass the torch. He has songs of wildebeest and angels. He has soared on the wind. <laughs> he actually does a really good cover of, of some things. If you if you look for uh, Jack Black doing Dio covers, they're pretty cool. And there was a Dio tribute album with, uh, I don't remember any of the bands that were on it, but I remember being surprised listening to it and thinking, wow, they actually didn't do a bad job. I wasn't cringing. I don't know the Black Sabbath era of Dio as well as I should. That's actually something the other night I was talking to Rockstar and saying that I'd heard uh, Dio doing NIB. And I was like, wow, I, I really need to go back and get into that era and learn a little bit more, especially with um, Sabbath getting together and doing a, a reunion record of sorts this year. So there is some amazing stuff out there for a guy who had a, a long career and um, his Tributes continue, actually. I think it's every October there's a Cancer Society tribute concert that goes on because uh, um, his uh, estate and family do a lot to cancer research. So um, follow Eddie Trunk. Eddie Trunk talks about Dio a lot, too. And that's a good person to keep on. Now, in my case, 
I keep coming back to this record, and this is one Mr. Reeves will know very, very well. Uh, having tweeted stuff before, I've, I've read <clears throat> that uh, you're a fan of um, The Prodigy and uh, Fat of the Land. Oh, yeah. It's weird. I first heard of Prodigy. You guys remember that soundtrack to... Um, there was a, a PlayStation game called Wipeout 2080 or 2180 or... What, it was it was like a racing game came out in 1996 or whatever and it was all it was kind of this futuristic racing game and it, it was pretty forward thinking because you know before then it was uh, people would compose video game uh, soundtracks but this was probably one of the first uh, soundtracks to feature actual artists on it you know for a video game so it had like you know a, a very young daft punk and Fotech and a couple others, but on there was Prodigy with Firestarter. And, and so uh, many people tried to copy that sound uh, with Ridge Racer and, and other video games because it just it, it, it invoked speed. You know, in yep. fact, the song Speedway in fact comes to mind, uh, but it's not on this record, but this this record is known, of course, for being the breakout hit of the 90s. This is the one where you have, you know, Smack My Bitch Up and uh, you have uh, Firestarter, but those aren't the songs that stick with me. Believe it or not, songs like Minefields, uh, Diesel Power, uh, Funky, especially Funky, which is on the very end credits of um, Event Horizon. I have no idea why it's there at the end credits of Event Horizon, but I, I thought it was awesome that it well, was. Well, that was there. Probably was on movie. several soundtracks, weren't they? And yes, that was an insane movie. Yeah, it's a it's a freaky movie. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill. That is just a messed up movie. Uh, but the, the the record just, I don't know why, there's just so many people who, who try to imitate that style now, especially in current pop radio, where Skrillex, I'm sorry, Skrillex owns, owes his entire career to Prodigy. There's so much stuff that comes out of house and, and stuff that Prodigy and, like you were saying, early Daft Punk were doing. That's why I just want to really choke people when they want to say Skrillex is this new sound and dubstep and dude I've been here before I've, I've heard all that you know? <laughs> and it came from records like this yeah it's an it's an evolution I mean it it's it's just everything's an evolution of something else you know so there is nothing new it's it's something cool I love dubstep I think it's a cool I think it's a cool sound I think it's you know it's it's neat but yeah, I mean, nothing, you know, there's nothing comes new out under this. I mean, there's so much crystal method laid down in Vegas and pre-Vegas and, uh, you know, orbital air orb. I mean, there's so much I can go to beforehand that really came out of the 90s. And this record was a big part of that, you know, um, orbitals, the box and stuff like that. So there's records that really influence me. And when I hear music today or people younger than I am <clears throat> mentioning about what influences them. It's always great to pull out another track and go, well, if you like that, try this out. What do you think? Yeah, it's, you know, Breathe is a great record on this album or a great track on this album. Uh, you know, that's that's another standout track. Yeah, um, it was a huge hit. And absolutely. I watched recently Behind the Music with Foreigner. It was a remastered one on VH1 Classic. They've been updating their their behind-the-scenes stuff. And they talked about, you know, the Agent Provocateur record was the record that broke the band. In some ways, 
this record, Fat of the Land, actually did break the band. I mean, they really didn't come back for a while at this. I mean, they did Baby's Got a Temper, which is kind of a, a carbon copy of what they were doing with Firestarter and Breathe and stuff like that. And then they just go way off of the deep end into other records, you know, that aren't as good. Hot Ride is like one of the only songs that I can think of that jumps out at the early 2000s that even holds a torch to where we come to. And I don't think I really got back into them until Invaders Must Die. A very interesting, iconic band, something to look into. And the one that you chose, Mr. Reeves, is one of my top five bands of all time. So this should be an interesting conversation for sure. Tell us the record you chose for Drop the Beat. Okay, so I chose my all-time favorite record of all time. Like, this is, you know, ever since I was seven years old. ELO's Out of the Blue. Just to do some little bit of kind of background and connecting the dots. ELO, if you, you probably know ELO for Don't Bring Me Down, or, I mean, everybody seems to know that because that was like a huge hit. They did half of the soundtrack to Xanadu, which is just, you, it's either something that is beloved to you or it's stupid and cheesy. I'll take the first. You grew up around roller rinks or <laughs> if you grew up in ice skating parks or if yeah. you uh, grew up in any type of 80s suburbia, ELO is just one of those bands that, that you, you just know very, very well. Now, I own this record on vinyl and uh, you know what's really cool about this? It had an awesome gatefold of the inside of the Electra, the big ship. And it actually came with uh, fold-outs. So you could actually make the ship. You actually pulled it out and you punched out the little construction stuff. It was like uh, two, four cardboard. And it actually had a little spindle that you would set the ship on top of. And uh, I've lost all that stuff, of course. I mean, I still have the record and I have the gatefold, but I've lost all the stuff that came on the inside of it. And uh, the the records were on the old Jet logo, and uh, it was awesome to have liner notes for things like Sweet Talking Woman, which is one of the big songs off that record. And of course, uh, you know, Turn to Stone and Mr. Blue Sky. Uh, but, you know, some of my favorites on this record actually are things like uh, Wild West Hero, one of the best ways to close out that that double record. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, the... the the standing in the rain, big wheels kind of epic. Yeah. Stepping out is a, mm-hmm. is a fantastic tune. So I've never, I, I've always owned either the tape or the CD. Where does record one end? Like what's, what's the end of Mr. side Blue B? Blue Sky is the way uh, side two ends. If I, yeah, and then, side two ends. In. And then side A of, re, uh, side two of record two, this side two, one of yeah. record two is sweet as the night. But where, what, where does that Side one end. Mm, I'm going to actually have to look. Let me look at the lineup. <laughs> I have to actually think about this because uh, I haven't played the vinyl in so long. So side four begins with Sweet as the Night. So there's a couple of these. I, I, we actually in the show notes have the Amazon listing. And of course, we'll actually have uh, the Wikipedia article. For this particular record, it's a very interesting record. We also have a link here to uh, Brian Harchin, a good friend of uh, the SPN, uh, who did a wonderful retrospective for Team FM on Electric Light Orchestra, which is also here in the show notes. 
Uh, and Ooh, he actually spends a little bit of time on that. It's really, really neat. It's about two hours long. Um, he goes all the way back to the move and how ELO became the e Electric Lid Orchestra. And he, he stops at EOL Part 2, thank goodness. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. not EOL. <laughs> yeah. Something that, a couple things, because I could literally kill this for three hours, but when I was, you know, seven, I, I heard this record and I would hear all these weird effects and everything and go, uh, you know, I, I, I was not the, uh, I, you know, I was not as much of an engineer type to fig- to know what those things were. I didn't know what a vocoder was. Nobody knew what a vocoder was when you're seven because you're not around that stuff. So you're hearing all this weird stuff and you're going, what kind of bizarre looking machine makes those noises, you know? And then you grow up and you realize that it's these square boxes that do this and that and it's really not that extravagant it's you know the the mystery gets taken out of these uh all the the sounds you know but what remains are the songs you know and and it's so fantastic if you like ELO there's a guy by the name of Blue spelled B L E U he's one of my favorite modern power pop songwriters he did a like a sound alike record and he wrote songs as if Jeff Lynne would have written them under the name L-E-O. And the album is called Alpaca's Orgling. And it's a very bizarre name. Okay. But it is an absolutely fantastic. Easy to search for. Yes, it is a fantastic record. He's, he's got a Do Ya Sound-Alike that's a totally different song, but it has every element of do ya in it. He's got a um, an evil woman sound alike that even starts with that kind of trash can intro, yeah. and but and, and it's brilliant. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. He writes these fantastic songs. You're like, that's that's an ELO song, but it's not. I mean, it's totally different. It's amazing. You My know? parents made me listen to classical music when I was growing up, and. I could only listen to to quartets and strings and and different concertos and things like that. So ELO was like the first band where they kind of let me bridge off. And so I actually heard a lot of ELL. I actually heard a lot of ELO before I actually heard Beatles tunes. So for so me, I. I had the reverse, right? So so I I grew to love the Beatles through E <laughs> ELO and it was really really weird because I, I started to sort of get oh my god I love the White Album and I love Abbey Road and you know George Martin influenced Jeff Lynne so much and of course that was you know if you listen to Brian's special here that we have the link to you see that it was meant to be influenced in that way that that's I think kind what, of what annoys me for. what really annoys me is you get some of the Beatles purists because the, the the people that you know, some of the early Beatles purists, they hate the Jeff Lynne sound. You know, mm-hmm. some, so there's a whole camp of people. And trust me, when Jeff Lynne produces drums, it sounds like Jeff Lynne, like on his new records. Anything like all the Tom Petty, the right. um, traveling Wilbury stuff, the it, it George is Harrison the Jeff Cloud Lynn Nine. sound. Yeah, it is the Jeff Lynne sound, and the drums are annoying. I, I, I will agree. But the thing, and I love his productions. I just, I've always hated his choice of drums. They don't work in every single song. You know what I mean? He does yeah. it in every single song, that kind of straight ahead sound. But people 
really kind of trash the whole free as a bird thing, which he produced. You know, and and he did such a that sounds so great to me. Agreed. And and all these kind of purists are like, oh, Jeff Lynne ruined that that Beatles reunion, and it's so wrong because they love him. They wanted him there. Yeah. Well, George Harrison was was you know really enjoyed working with him on the solo work. That's what led to Traveling Wilburys and so on. And yep. you know how cool is it to work with your idols, whether it be Roy Orbison or you know George Harrison and other Beatles. Uh, you know, I mean mm-hmm. that is just really trip trippy. And I I am used to that sound. I I in fact I miss that sound a bit more because we lose it when you get to things like balance of power and stuff like that. And I wish I I had seen them live, believe it or not. The time tour, my father was very much into the fact that I was, (laughs) I was getting into bark at the moon and other Aussie records. And all he had to hear was that, uh, time and secret messages had backwards masking. So I could never go see them live. And I actually had tickets to go see the zoom tour uh and then unfortunately 9-11 happened and that tour got kind of sort of canceled so i've never been able to see this band out of all the bands that i've loved and and hold dear this is the one band i've never gotten to see live well uh, you know going back to the drum sound it you know the 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 90s jeff lynn stuff is what you know what i refer to as as in you know well we, the electric lynn orchestra is really where it came you know it started down that path uh on yeah. balance of power and then matured into that 90 sound that you're talking about because he kind of sort of you know ended the band per se and and did a lot of that sound um even yep. on his solo record there is that he's, sound he's got a new so- solo records now oh there's a new okay. one okay there's a new one go okay. get it it's a bunch of jazz standards it's, ah, it's, okay. It, but it's jazz standards that are not done. So oh, it's, it's like amazing. September. I, I like his version of September, which are re- really, really good. Uh, and I actually like his version of Xanadu better than Olivia Newton-John's. Um, when did he do? When did he do a version of Xanadu? Oh, there's an ELO version of Xanadu, and we'll lay it down right here in the background. But do you like Electric Dreams? <laughs> yes, I do. That's a great movie, and his song in there is pretty cool. And you noticed that there was a there was a licensing issue. He couldn't use the word VCR. He had to use the word VTR. Go look at the lyrics. But yeah, it's great. Love it. So these are great records to go check out. Uh, Bev Bevins, from, uh, drummer of uh, ELO, actually went on to work with Black Sabbath. So we're actually coming back around hey, to the full Dio. circle. <laughs> yeah, isn't that kind of weird? <laughs> and so well, there's... here's the the thing is, I saw ELO Part Two. Oh, with and, Bev. That's right. And it was with Bev and who's the violinist that sings? Martin. Oh, I can see him, but I can't necessarily remember his name. He, and I he don't you know, he he kind of does the. Uh, you know, he sings like, uh, crazy dreams of sadness on the street. You know, he kind of had that voice yeah. uh, on all the yellow yeah. stuff. It's that guy. Yeah. You hear it a lot on El Dorado. Yep. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. I just, I don't know. I could never, I could never listen to part two. I know I should, as a fan, I should it's be a terrible. It's and, a terrible record. <laughs> it's awful. Which which means go get it right now, kids. You no, know? It, it, well, it's the like first Jack record, in the Box tacos. <laughs> the first <laughs> record so awful that you love them. It's called Moment of Truth. It's awful. There's a couple of 
where they're trying to write Jeff Lynn type songs. And there's a couple of standout tunes as songs. The mix is awful. It is the drums are they sound like they were recorded in a in a nineteen you know eighties church basement. Uh, there you they're go. terrible. Right. Oh. The second record sounds a lot better. It's called Rewind or something like that. It does sound a lot and it better. Had actual production. <laughs> yeah, and it but I did see them live and they, they did a bunch of stuff and it, but it didn't have Jeff Lynn and so there's a bunch of points duck, deducted from that. One of these days I'll have to tell you the story about Ace Freely because I saw Ace Freely uh, when he was touring with Duya off his solo record and um, there's a funny story about me flipping off a member of Kiss but I'll save that for another time. What we need to think about is that there are all sorts of things that we haven't gotten to in the months that we've been on hiatus. One of the questions that we got a lot of was, you know, what does the EOL crew think of Star Wars episode seven-ish? Wait, no, wait, wait. The seventh movie, and I guess we're going to call it episode seven, going to Disney. And uh, we got asked this on Twitter, twitter.com slash EOL show. And uh, I'm going on record as saying I'm okay with that. After watching Disney buy Marvel and some other properties and doing just fine with it, I think that's the perfect home for it. And uh, I'm excited that John Williams has said that he's going to come back and do the scores. I can't imagine somebody like, say, Michael Giacchino or, or somebody trying to do a Star Wars score. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's just iconic and it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, a perfect example, you look at the Harry Potter movies and see where John Williams exits. Yeah, it's very clear when that happens. And I think that he almost has to be involved if a decision is made because this, he confirmed that he is willing to do this, but I don't think it's been officially said that he's doing this. Everybody's just kind of taking it as, well, yeah, you kind of have to. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, things are going to really go badly for everybody. So I don't really have an opinion on Star Wars and Disney. And honestly, I don't know. After Jar Jar, I'm sort of losing faith in Star Wars in general. And so this is going to be one of those things that I have to watch, but I don't expect it to hold the same place in my heart as the original Star Wars episodes did. Kidding, I'm expecting Disney XD to have a Jar Jar variety hour you know i'm oh i'm sure they will <laughs> i mean they've reached out to uh what's the saturday night live joke i told you uh they reached out to uh, uh carrie fisher harrison ford mark hamill and then they show up a picture of jar jar and, it, <laughs> and the caption is misa's still waiting by the phone yes <laughs> you know here's the thing if you watch some of the interview footage from george lucas he says in every movie, fans hated something. So in the first movie, they hated the comic relief of C-3PO. They thought it was campy. By first movie, you mean episode four, A New Hope, Episode sir. four, yeah. <clears throat> yes, yes. Um, I just wanted on to remind you, sir, that um, yeah, 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 my yeah, first yeah. movie, you meant <laughs> and episode then, four. Uh, episode five, you know, critics thought that uh, – and some fans thought that, you know, Yoda was campy. Episode six, they hated the Ewoks. It's weird. It, and he says, he says this to say that, you know, in episode one, they hated Jar Jar. You know, who do they hate in episode two and three? I don't know. But it's one of those things where. Hayden uh, Christensen. Uh, a lot. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> his, line, his line reads in Attack of the Clones, especially. I oh no, he was all. great. He had he had the, the he had the perfect whiny emo. You could yep. totally see, you know, how he went from uh, there to becoming Darth, just from this whiny emo kid that you want to slap around a little. I. I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. You know, it was, it was, um, I don't know. We'll see and what that's happens. That's why you root for Ben Kenobi in the third film. <laughs> Come on, jump up here. I'm going to mess you up. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I really wonder if, you know, if in the future of the franchise, now that George Lucas is out of the picture, maybe it was just time for him to go because he had such a control over the, the, you know, the first three, you know, the episodes one, two, and three. And the lore of Star Wars suffered because you had the whole Jar Jar me, thing. And let let me come back to that when we get to to the covers section because there that, that'll actually tie into our homework assignment. Let's let's hold that Ooh, conversation there. That actually is something I do 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 want to touch on. But let us know what you guys think about the idea of well, there's that Family Guy quote, you know, where John Williams gets killed and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we have to do the rest of this movie with Danny Elfman. Uh, let us know what you think about uh, that and others by uh, dropping us a line at resources at serotalk.com, leaving us a message at twitter.com slash EOL show, or leaving us an iReport right there in iBlink Radio. If you don't have iBlink Radio, head on over to the iOS store or play market for Android and grab it. It's a free app. It's right there. And it has all the SPN goodness and more. Oh, 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 bright ideas and an Oreo cookie. It's a bright idea to dunk it or to crunch it or unscrew it or to lick it or to trick it. But no matter what you do, it's true. It's fun to munch a creamy, crunchy chocolate. O-R-E-O goes great with imagination. Puts the yum in your creation. Oreo and Oreo Double Stuff Cookies. Well, keeping with the keeping things different tone of this particular welcome back to EOL, we decided to take a look at something specific in the Nexus. In fact, it actually covers some of the stuff that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. And that is Oreo, O-R-E-O, all sorts of crazy Ooh, new noms wild- in the Nexus. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's something different. It's just like uh, drop the beat, just something to keep things kind of fresh and lively. And uh, there were all sorts of new Oreos that I would come in and tell staff members about here at the company. And I would get various people's reactions to said Oreos and uh, some of them positive, some of them negative. You know, I think it's important to talk about how Nabisco tries to do these stunts and keep you interested in buying, well, America's favorite cookie, or at least supposedly milk's favorite cookie, although Chips Ahoy probably wants to lay claim to that as well. 
mega stuffed Oreos. What do we think about the idea of two thin wafer cookies, double stuff cream, and a single stuff cream slapped in between these two? I think you got to have a pretty big mouth for that. And it, it, it seems just really over the top decadent in maybe kind of a scary way. I don't think I would like them. I've not had them. It's a good them. thing, honestly. It, it really yeah. does overpower. We actually have a link here in the show notes to the Oreo Wiki. So if you want to follow along at home, you can see all the different Oreos that we're going to talk about. Plus a couple of reviews of what others thought about this particular version of Oreo and others. Kevin, are you a huge fan of Oreos? Or is there, or is there another I cookie that I can absolutely kinda... kill an entire thing of Oreos in no time. So, yes. Wow. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> That's just scary. How much milk does it take? I don't know. I, I For that. I mean. It, oh, it, you don't drink milk? I them? love milk oh. with Oreo. It, probably a couple glasses, you know. I just, I, I, now I want one. Thanks. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I don't have any in the house. Are you traditional Oreo or do you go for double stuffed or fudge covered or white chocolate covered Oreo or the candy corn Oreos? There's a part of my brain still screaming you about I that. I didn't get to those. That was I one go of the, to the only ones here on this Oreos, list I didn't man. get to. Yeah, classic. It's what one of our uh, coworkers said, Lisa, Lisa Salinger, uh, was very much like any of these that I brought up. She would brand me a heretic and 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 say no, so. No, I won't brand it. But I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a peanut butter Oreo in there. There has Chocolate. been a peanut butter Oreo. There has been before. They're yep. they're not available right now. I don't think. And peanut butter Oreo, I could totally go for. I've never had Where them. Where it's got but the chocolate and the peanut butter exist. in the center, I could do that. Right. Well, they've done halvesies where they've done like half strawberries, half cream in the middle kind Ugh. of thing. And they've, oh, done, no. they've done where it's the chocolate cookie and peanut butter in the middle and then chocolate cookie. But I don't think they've ever split it and did peanut butter and chocolate under two two cookies. I don't think they've done that. That's what this Oreo wiki is for in case uh, I need to reach over and grab that. I didn't do the candy corn ones. Those were hard to find. Those were Target exclusive. This is wrong. Why Why tempt me with that and then say, oh, by the way, you could only get it at Target. You know, it's... What does a candy corn Oreo look like? So it was kind of white cookie with orangish, whitish cream. And one reviewer called it, it was like eating cake icing between two lady fingers. So that was you. That one was not reviewed very well, but sold out like crazy. It wasn't like eating candy corn. It wasn't like chewy like that. Yeah. No, no, no. It was, corn- it was just the taste of, of that. And in the same case of this lemon twist Oreo, this lemon twist Oreo was white with lemon cream on the inside. And that oh. wasn't horrible. In fact, uh, no, my wife actually no. bought that reminds me of scary. Of that reminds me of those scary, really cheap cookies. Also, the strawberry thing that you mentioned made me think of these. You know, the ones that if the cafeteria was making school picnic lunches for your field trip, you would have these cookies Knock-offs. that came like, yeah, and they'd come like, like four to a package and yeah, it would nah. be those scary lemon cookies or scary yes, the uh, strawberry or, or one of yeah. those that was the knockoff and you weren't exactly sure it you get all excited so and you're like Ooh, oreos and then you're like uh, this isn't no, oreos. i don't think that's an oreo <laughs> no and you know we call those sunday school cookies okay. anybody who, <laughs> yep yep anybody anybody <laughs> totally. who you know ever went to church as a child or whatever and and they would do the cookies for sunday school and it would be the, you know you got to buy them in bulk 
you know. Yeah. So. Plus, you get the watered-down punch. I don't know what they <laughs> used for that punch, but <laughs> yes. it was always that same watered-down. I think it was meant to taste like Hawaiian punch, wasn't it? But it was, yeah, very scary. Okay. Terrible. Candy cane Oreos did taste like peppermint. So it was peppermint and chocolate. And, I could and do I that. Those. That does sound yeah. good. Yeah, those were okay. I, I didn't run in fear from, from those. So what was the difference between those and the mint fudge ones then? So the mint fudge it seems like would they'd be, be the same. It would be that the Oreo was covered in fudge or, oh. which has been done before, or they do it where it's a triple stack. So follow me here. Mm, no. Cookie, mint, cookie, chocolate, cookie. So it's wow. like it's like the no. quarter it's like the Big Mac of Oreos, right? It's like no, n- no, no. Okay, well they weren't bad, uh, especially if you like the the triple deckers, which uh, they've done those at times too, where they've done like vanilla cream and orange. They've done that with like a creamsicle. They actually have done creamsicle. No. 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 Okay. No. All right. Well, uh, striking out here. Some, I've only one on one or two of these. Give me some chocolate and some Oreo and milk. I'm good to go. I'll try some of these. So, so again, traditionalist. You, you, no, nothing exciting. Yeah. You don't. You don't want to branch out. You don't want to. This is not exciting. It's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, if, if not mint fudge, how about you take these Oreos and then you split them apart? Because you can actually do that now in some of these videos. There apparently is a new meme where they do different ways of splitting apart Oreos. And in this particular one that we have here that's a link to YouTube is a guy who's figured out how to do that slingshot style on almost like a machine gun. And it is a video of him shooting Oreos in pieces. Like literally shooting a slingshot with Oreos and (laughs) splitting them in half. It's, uh, I guess they're really bored in Russia. But there are... Different ways that you can take apart an Oreo. Are you the person that breaks the Oreo in half and eats the cream and then the cookie? Or do you eat it all in one? Yeah, all in one. Now, I've I've taken them apart before just to have done it, but it's not the same. <laughs> Agreed. Well, let us know what you guys think about Oreos and what is the best way to eat them. Or what weird Oreo have you come across? Or is there an Oreo knockoff that you're interested in? Well, we may revisit this topic in noms, but we thought it was really important to talk about that there were some interesting ones that are out now. In fact, uh, if you're listening to this pretty close to the time that we release, the spring-colored Oreos are available. And that's just regular Oreos with uh, food coloring in the middle. In other words, violet or green or yellow or a pastel-y purple for, for Easter. So doesn't necessarily change the taste, but it's more festive, you know, festive. Do Girl sure. Scout cookie dosey does count? Um, yeah. uh, as Oreo knockoffs, you know, sort of. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's it's again better than the Sunday school cookies, which you. <laughs> 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 that was look. These are on sale, Midge. Let's get these for the kids. You know, it's like, that's where my mind went. Uh, so yeah, definitely. I was crazy just thinking cookie. of Rod and Todd Flanders wanting. <laughs> Um, you know, flavorless cookies for me. <laughs> I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Oh, sit on attack. Oh. The 
trampoline. Each jump brings us closer to God. Uh, <laughs> the clips of that and more can be found at EOL Show. But let us know which which particular cookies are really your fancy. And, you know, we can open this up to Chips Ahoy as well. Do you like sprinkles on Chips Ahoy? Do you like chewy Chips Ahoy? Do you like the oatmeal Chips Ahoy? Did you even know there were that many versions of Chips Ahoy? Or did you just now say to your MP3 player of choice, why does Ranger know so much about Chips Ahoy? I, hmm. Hmm. I said get off my lawn. They shouldn't mess with classics. You gotta, I mean, one kind of Chips Ahoy is, is plenty. Well, there's a theme here, as we said earlier, and uh, we're still playing catch up. And uh, one of the things that I, I, I've had to do a lot is... Um, Follow up with uh, lots of stuff on the DVR or that is just now entered video. Uh, I got to watch Argo just recently. Didn't get to see that in the theater. But I did get to see The Dark Knight Rises in IMAX. That was pretty cool, actually. And uh, uh, it was very disorienting, but still pretty cool. You know, what's weird, though, is as this came on video, Rockstar, there was this it was this weird trailer and, and the trailer gives away a lot of the plot of the movie. So if you haven't seen Dark Knight Rises, you might want to skip ahead a little bit because uh Rockstar, I want you to hear this trailer. Spoiler it's alert. Just, it's not it's not right. It's just it's not right. From director Christopher Nolan comes the obligatory finale to his Dark Knight trilogy that clearly peaked with the Joker. The Dark Knight Rises, the epic final chapter that'll mildly entertain you when you're watching it, but will ultimately anger and disappoint you when you really start to think about it. Revisit the iconic Bruce Wayne, a man who turned the pain of his parents' death into a superhero, but for some reason mopes around for eight years after his sort of girlfriend dies. Suit up as he spends the first 45 minutes hobbling around on canes, getting knocked over easily, growing a gross depression beard, and be told that his body is in complete shambles. Even though in the entire trilogy, he's only clocked in maybe a year and a half as the Batman. But chaos will arrive in the form of Bane, a villain who no one can fully understand. This is Castillo's strength. Where well, the truth about despair? The Batman for his I'm on your schedule, Captain. Prompting Moatman to unretire and plop on a magic knee brace that'll instantly cure him so he can take Bane head on for a few minutes until he's crippled again for a huge chunk of the movie, leaving this mumbling warlord to fulfill his overly complicated plot of terrorizing Gotham for three pointless months, which prompts only one riot and zero gridlock. Seriously, where is everybody? Get ready for a nearly three-hour Batman movie where Batman only shows up for about 33 minutes. And when he does show up, he's so terrible he reveals his secret identity to complete strangers. When you started, why the mask? Protect the people closest to me. Never conducts background checks on his maids or his board members. He uses ineffective gadgets, stands atop random buildings that are way too dangerous to balance on, and waste several hours painting a bridge in gasoline. A story so large in scale it was partly shot in IMAX, which becomes super distracting when it's constantly changing aspect ratios and a film so poorly paced. It moves slow for two hours, then randomly zooms through three months of time without telling the audience forcing this completely rushed ending that'll leave you asking questions like 
Why are the criminals constantly hitting Batman with their guns instead of shooting him? And why does Batman talk to Catwoman in his Batman voice when she knows he's Bruce Wayne? How come everybody in Gotham could figure out that Bruce Wayne was Batman except for Commissioner Gordon? Even the character with Down Syndrome played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt figured it out. Didn't anyone in Gotham think it was weird that Batman and Bruce Wayne both died on the exact same day? Bruce Wayne was Batman? Starring the cast of Inception, Princess Diaries, Kristen Stewart's Mouth, Molly Cocaine, Bruce Willis, and Bane Bruce. The Dark Knight Rises. Ugh, I'm pretty worried about Man of Steel now. Hey Rockstar, I just had one of those long car trips, like, you know, to San Diego from Texas. It was like 1,500 miles of just nothing. There was just nothing out there. But you, I just wish I had had a good pair of headphones that would have just made things fly by because I could have concentrated on other stuff like, uh, well, the homework assignments I should be reading. But you got to be careful about headphones because uh, you got to have something that sounds really great but isn't going to block out the sound of the robot uprising if it should happen while you're enjoying your homework. So you're saying I could have it either wired or Bluetooth? I could have these headphones that would work really well for avoiding the robot uprising? You got it. The way that they work is through bone conduction. You can wear these things and your ears are still open so you can hear those evil artificial intelligences stomping around you. There's Bluetooth, there is a sports model that's wired, and a sports model with a microphone. All of them made by Aftershocks. Huh. This sounds really cool. And it wouldn't get in the way of my tinfoil hat or any of the other conspiracy theories that we talk about on this particular show. Indeed it would not. Well, I'd love to be able to get these headphones, but, you know, I'm kind of strapped for cash. Good news, everyone! You can get these headphones for 40% off. Use the code capital S, capital P, capital N, 40 when you check out uh, with your shopping cart over on Aftershocks.com. And you'll get 40% off the Bluetooth model, the sport model, or the sport model with a microphone. How cool is that? So what you're saying is, is all I have to do is type in the capital S, capital P, capital N, and the number 40 into the discount code area when I'm doing checkout at Aftershocks.com to be able to get 40% off these amazing headphones right now? Right now! You got it! Amazing. Check out our show notes over at EOLshow.com in order to hear an interview with SBN Zone Mike Calvo about an earlier version of these Aftershock headphones that is really illuminating. And, of course, you can also find out this promo code at the website as well. Are you tired of browsing through thousands of sites just to find the news you want? What about recipes, shopping, radio stations? Wouldn't it be great if there was a single place where you could find all these things and a lot more? There is. There is. Discover Samnet with the widest and most complete content ever assembled for the blind community. And speaking of community, you can use Samnet's voice chat, instant messaging, and users forums to communicate with family, friends, and others who share your interests. To learn more about Samnet, please visit www.serotech.com. That's www.serotech.com. Or call us toll-free at 866-202-0520. We're Serotech, the accessibility anywhere people. Nom, 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 nom. Well, we've eaten a lot of noms over our little break, and uh, we want to talk about some of the food again in that ketchup thing, just to let you know where we are. But 
you know, we've been working so hard. I think it's important, Rockstar, to know just how many calories we actually lose when using a mouse click. It's got to be a lot, doesn't it? I mean, that's hard work, moving that thing all around the desk and, like, pushing your finger on it and stuff. Well, I would assume so. <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> yeah, well, means it is. Turns out that they have actually calculated this, and it is 1.42, approximately, calories per mouse click. So I was thinking about this, though. 1.42 calories is not really a lot, but this is only for a mouse click. What about typing on a keyboard? Because if that single finger movement burns that many calories, I type a whole lot, you know? So 1.42 times who knows how many keystrokes in a day. I think the study's flawed because there should be some real thin people if they play Minesweeper a lot. I'm just saying, if, if that's there really... There is that, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. It certainly it leaves a lot to the imagination. Well, uh, okay, I, but maybe they snack as they're doing this. I was thinking gamers, too, with the Xbox <laughs> controller and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so what you're saying is the Halo Mountain Dew and Fritos promotion would work against this pretty badly. Um, yeah, thumbsticks might yeah. equal this many calories. Uh, what if you're at a standing desk? I mean, that's the new thing, standing desk. Maybe that helps. Or a fitness ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah ball. but um, yeah. how do those things work? I have never seen one of those exercise balls, but somehow you like balance yourself on it. You'll do crunches on it and... It's better than doing it on the wall on the floor because it's it's like you're getting all of the targeted workout of your abs without mm -hmm. killing your back because the oh, ball nice. actually helps you do the exercise in a way that it, it makes it comfortable to do it and you can do bang out like 30 or 40 crunches because a crunch is not supposed to be a sit up is not supposed to be hard you know, the people that like, you know, you sit there because you're pulling from absolute zero and you can only do five because it's so hard to do. The ball helps you so that you're doing more toning because you can do like 30 and then take a rest and then do like 30 and take a rest, you know. So that's pretty cool. And then people use the, the bigger ball to sit at like uh, Leo Laporte uses one. Because if you just that sit classic on video it, of that ball exploding too. That's a that that's a YouTube meme. Oh, it was an animated GIF. Uh, it's hysterical. <laughs> and I, I think I was, <laughs> was listening to that Twit episode. Yeah, when, it happened when that on happened. Twit. That one, and when he broke the table recently, that was a good one too. That was that was that was over that Harlem Shake. I think uh, he tried to meme. stand up on the table to do and something. do the Harlem Shake <laughs> and broke the table. <laughs> And it, everything went everywhere. And then it took like two weeks to get it fixed. He actually announced live when it was fixed. It was memes kill, ladies and gentlemen. Memes, memes kill. Do but not try this at home. What's crunchy is uh, Rockstar mentioned uh, Jack in a Box tacos. And I adore me some Jack in a Box tacos. However, Rockstar took it upon herself to go one more for the team. Why don't you describe what you also tried from Jack in a Box? For the show, everyone, for the show, the sacrifices that I make. So Jack in the Box has this new promotional menu, and this is like an all-out promotion. They actually have like an album associated with this. You, you can download tracks from some band, 
and they are are they El Caliente? Reason, is that what it is? What well, kid? no, it's it's you got to go and look at this link that we'll have in the show notes about the hot mess promotion for Jack in the Box because they they do have uh, this band with several songs and they actually talk about MySpace and they kind of do it in a way that pokes fun at it like yeah we know that uh, MySpace is really kind of bad however we have something really cool there so go check out uh, this hot mess music from Jack in the Box but you know it's really all about the nom for me so this hot mess menu includes a hot mess burger which I did not try I have uh, just I was not uh, emotionally prepared for it that day so we'll look we'll uh, definitely get your take on what you thought about said burger I did however get the hot mess wedges which are these yummy potato wedges and they are covered with melty pepper jack cheese so it's like the you know the melty nacho cheese and jalapenos oh man so good so many good things just all put together in this one really messy package and to go along with that i had the hot mess cinnamon shake and oh man this thing was awesome Oh, so, so good. Like those red hot candies you get at Valentine's Day cinnamon. And well, it's Is that what I was I mean, is that um, it's sort of described that way, but you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily describe it that way from what the the copy says here? Not really. To me, it was like you take your first drink and it tastes like liquid cinnamon toast crunch. You know, you have oh. that nice cinnamon and sugar flavor, but it's not knock your head off or anything but that's the first taste and as it sits there for a little bit then this big punch of cinnamon comes along on the back end and uh, it's really good it never gets to say the level of a fireball or something like that it never gets quite that cinnamony but it's just this perfect smooth thing where it starts out nice cinnamon and sugar and then bang Oh, nice. So I talked to the rock star after she downed one of these. And um, if you're looking for a pick me up, <laughs> I'm going to say grab one of these because uh, <laughs> she was not necessarily something. in the stratosphere, but definitely in the troposphere. She was definitely out there. Um, sugar is yeah, pretty I high on this there's content. there's something in that. I don't know if they uh -huh. caffeinate it. I don't know if it's a different kind of sugar. There's something in those things. She filed all sorts of stuff that day in order uh, in using the Dewey Decimal System. I don't even know if anybody really uses that anymore, but she she definitely was feeling no sugar pain from said shake. Now, the, the burger is almost like a patty melt. So it's one of those where it's uh, on toasted bread rather than a bun. And um, I'm not a huge patty milk kind of guy. I, I, I prefer a traditional burger bun roll kind of situation. But it was very similar to this. And uh, not a vegetable really on it. So if Does you're it have jalapenos? In, I don't remember. Depends how you want to categorize jalapenos. I, I look at that more as, you know, like relish or condiment or mustard. You know, it, it, it just goes there. That's that's the whole point of it, right? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. Uh, definitely worth something to look into if you're into hot foods, if you're into something that uh, is different than jack-in-the-box tacos, you want something else to eat there, uh, or their, their crazy breakfast sandwiches, uh, they actually offer the burger, 
the fries and the cinnamon in a hot mess combo. We just really like the name. That was that was another reason why we we wanted to mention it here on the show. I think the name is perfect because everything you described except the cinnamon shake is totally not down my alley because I don't like cheese and <laughs> you know. Oh man! But I think it describes what occurs probably three or four hours after you've eaten it. That's why I think it's <laughs> there perfect. is that. <laughs> it was. Jack oh, in a box. There is that. Jack in a uh, box has entered into an agreement with Charmin to co-promote yeah. the hot mess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. Like, gotcha. And we've just gone to poop jokes, and that's uh, yeah, how it always I, well, goes with me. Ten episodes. Perfect. It had to happen one or sooner or later. It was, you know, it didn't happen in number one, and it certainly didn't happen in number two. Uh, anyway, oh, can I interest right. Moving you quickly onward. in a uh, burger with some onions on it? How about a Whopper with 100 onions on board. I, do you even taste meat or bread at that point? Speaking of vegetables on a burger, good night. This is so bizarre. In Japan, where they always do a bunch of crazy stuff, first of all, this is the same guy. He did, um, what was it, a thousand slices of bacon or some insane amount of bacon. And I love bacon, but wow. So this guy had originally done something with this incredibly insane amount of bacon. And uh, then he came in and ordered this thing with 100 grilled onions on the Whopper. And first, how did they keep that assembled? I mean, it, it, it reminds me of like building a, a tower Talk of blocks. Mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you take one bite and out the other side, you know? Well, you put one onion on, you stack it very carefully, and <laughs> suddenly they all shift and just tumble down, and you got to start again. So no idea how long it took them to actually assemble this burger and get it to the table. Mouth-sized level. Yeah, well, there's no way that he would have been able to take a bite from it. So he did something weird, like... Like those... those um, I don't know if he disassembled parts of it, but he had like a few bites food. of this thing. Yeah. And then they later put the parts of the beef and onions and stuff in some kind of soup broth and made a soup right there in the uh, in the Burger King so that he could finish eating this thing. That's like uh, Kobayashi, the competitive food eater who, who kind of wets the food before he eats it kind of thing. It just, okay, now I'm grossing myself out. Oh, yeah, anyway. that's just bad. <laughs> we, we have a link in the show notes if you want to learn more about this um, interesting this way too, of don't, eating. Don't try this at home. I would love it if somebody would walk into a Burger King and with recorder and ask for this thing. Yes, I'd <laughs> yeah. like it and my way. Th okay. Yeah, and then they say, would you like a mint shake or something to go with that? Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <clears throat> there are um, other things that we've uh, had a chance to catch up with on food-wise. There are Seasonal egos. Who knew, right? Seasonal egos, and uh, I, oh, don't eat egos out of season. It's just I'm just a, a tip. Just just saying a nom tip. Are uh, they don't, endangered? You know, don't eat the green ones. They're not quite ripe yet. Yes, the uh, ones that I tried, and I was really surprised by this, was pumpkin spice egos, and uh, I. No. I got these at Sam's, so I didn't necessarily do the smarter thing, which was to get a small box, try them, and then decide, yeah, Ranger, these are good. Let's keep eating these. Oh, no. I got the industrial family strength pack. 
and then gave them away to my family, actually, to spread the love. And uh, these start off really nice at first. They do have a pumpkin-y taste to them. They are very interesting, and they are traditional egos. It gets old really quick. Like in the first sleeve of egos, I was starting to look for new and interesting ways to eat said pumpkin spice egos. I actually had some cinnamon butter that actually livened these up a little bit, so it was a little more spicier. Peanut butter on these, not a good idea. I can say that. These went really well with... Thanksgiving leftovers, you know, because you get the pumpkin <laughs> yeah. thing happening there. Did, you could you could do the chicken and waffles thing, only um, have like turkey and turkey and pumpkin the spice eggs instead. Waffles. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll do that if this you might do be a this thing. with uh, these drizzlers. Um, ego drizzlers. <laughs> yeah, ego drizzlers. So I haven't actually tried these, but my son has. I got them for him. And one thing to be aware of with the kind of gimmicky waffle thingies is that normally you would get 10 waffles per box and these you get six because I guess they have to fit the icing in as well. So his description of these was it's like toaster strudels and waffles had a baby. (laughs) So it's like you you have the icing that you would normally have for a toaster strudel and then just a traditional waffle uh he got the strawberry one so you have a strawberry waffle and then this supposedly syrup but it's a little more like icing than syrup i think yeah it's actually called icing really at the waffle okay yeah Yeah. you squirt this at the waffle and it kind of soaks into the little waffly um bits right yeah, and, down in the pockets uh, of the waffle, as they say in this right. uh, copy here on the website. Blueberry, vanilla, chocolate, and other flavors to be coming soon. I actually saw these in the grocery store and called Rockstar up on the cell phone and went, oh, 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 dude, check this out. And she goes, yeah, I have a And I, I was like, some. yeah, I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> so the pumpkin <laughs> spice, oh. uh, do they come with that vanilla No, but, icing? but it might help a little. So far, gotten rid of them out of my freezer, and I don't know if a seasonal return will be coming this fall. But it would be interesting. I've never actually walked past an ego and and pulled the cinnamon, the cinnabun philosophy of you know that needs icing. I've never really thought that I needed. But you know, we could put this lemon bliss ice cream on top of uh, said cinnamon spicy pumpkin-y egos. No way, that's even worse. Uh, Bluebell has also come out with several holiday flavors. One of them was pumpkin spice ice cream. No, I, I, I didn't. That's just wrong. I, I did not. I did gingerbread, though. Gingerbread house, which was pretty good. Mm, I like that one. No. Christmas cookie. That was that was neat. It was uh, cookies, which actually stayed crunchy and had sprinkles in them. Uh, Bluebell's really cool about that. This one I did not like. This is one that my wife really likes uh, called Lemon Bliss. I Lemon should be gelato. I don't think I can do lemon in an ice cream, but... This is lemon swirls with kind of vanilla-ish cookies. And I live right near Bluebell. So I get a lot of these crazy flavors uh, when I see them uh, advertised or or their one-offs. Because they usually end up really cheap in the local grocery store here. So 
this one was uh, one that, that we actually did decide to order in a little bit of a pint rather than a half gallon and be stuck with it. How are we thinking on lemon in ice cream? I could do that, I think. You think? Um, I'm okay. with you. I think that lemon is better if it is maybe a kind of a custardy texture or gelato or lemon yogurt is really good. Not frozen yogurt, but, you know, actual yogurt. That is good. When I think of lemon, I think of lemon meringue, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I don't know. The texture, you're right, is better. Ooh, lemon meringue uh, pie. Ooh, ooh, or the hostess pies <laughs> with the lemon in them. Oh, okay, I haven't too. had those. Fried pie. Fried pie from Waterbury. Fried pie. Yeah, fried yeah pie. sure enough. Yeah. There's nothing but like that. But yeah, a I, I can do this. This ice cream. That guy just. R O D P A H. Fraud well, they've pa. done pumpkin fried pies at Whataburger. They've done peach. They've done lemon. Uh, they've done some weird fried pies at Whataburger. And, and you always get to learn about what the new flavor is because you get surrounded by it during the nightly news in Texas of um, what fried pie has a uh, new flavor in it. And um, yeah, I, lemon is okay in a pie. I'm okay with that. that that's, that's not a problem. And like I said, Italian ices, gelato, makes sense. But we are not the only people who have lots of things to say about noms. We actually have some feedback from our listeners. And this first iReport comes from Jedi. Hey, guys. It's Jedi Murky calling from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm calling in regards to um, some comments made about the uh, Dirty Chai at Starbucks on the EOL episode number nine. And I have to disagree. Um... I actually really like dirty chai, except it was introduced to me as sunshine chai or sunrise chai over in um, Western Louisiana several years ago while I was training there. And really, it tastes just like a regular latte, really, except that it's got kind of a touch of cinnamon. And um, I really like some come wintertime, you know, when you want your espresso, but you kind of want that warmth of the chai. And I highly suggest you try it with soy milk. I find that with a lot of Starbucks drinks, the uh, soy milk kind of sets off the flavor really well. So songs that I wish would go forever and just never come back, I think it would have to be Free Falling. I hate that song. Like, every time I hear it, I think I want to kill somebody. So anyways, um, that's just my opinion, you know. They're just like body parts. Everybody's got them. So, um in any case, don't knock the dirty chai. It's pretty good. I will talk to you later. Bye. Dirty chai. That just, it, it sounds really, the name of it sounds pretty disgusting, but uh, the actual so you, implementation? Could be, could, be, huh? could be sexy depending on where you live. I don't know. A dirty, I suppose. Dirty chai. Yeah, there yeah. is that. Yeah. Vegas. Um, I agree. There's there's some interesting teas out there. I've been forbidden from Tivana, as as I've said on the show. I can't go there. Um I may um, have miscalculated just exactly how they do their pricing and, and may have said, give me a half pound of that. Yeah, anyway, so I can't go back to Tivana. I'm forbidden. Uh, there are some really, really great stuff there. And uh, there are all sorts of interesting teas to try. Uh, but I've come back to Earl Grey. I, can't, I, I tea Earl Grey hot. Sorry. I, it's just the one to go to. We also have an email from Tim Hornick, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. We are going to have it in the show notes, uh, and this is 
priceless. You gotta read it. But uh, Tim says, EOL crew, with all your talk about bacon, I have no clue how you could skip over one very important food group, gelatinous meat, a.k.a. spiced ham. Yes, that's right. Spam. And uh, Tim basically spells out all the wonders of spam in this email. And uh, you're going to have to check it out. Sorry, I had to quote Monty Python. How could you not mention that? <laughs> How and could not you not? Quote, yeah. Yeah. Baked beans are off. Oh, I'll just have. Uh, he's right. Um, I actually, one of my favorite, uh, there's actually uh, an MTV show that wasn't on very long called Pirate TV, and they had a very famous uh, REM, <laughs> uh, Spam is Meat Pushed Through a Sieve to the tune of uh, Stand. And I've never oh, ever forgotten great. that line. <laughs> it's R E Yum. Spam. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> we just lost Mr. Reeves. <laughs> oh. However, I do love Weird Al's cover of, of Stand because Spam is. Oh, yes. Spam in the place where I live. Ham and boy. Think about nutrition. And and thank you for giving us the uh, as, as said in this email concept of Twinkies and spam sandwiches. I knew. Well, he says no. it's the perfect way to enjoy a five star meal after the zombie apocalypse. Why would I want to ruin collectors' items like Twinkies like that? But but do you remember the episode of Doctor Who where they where they went? Uh, they were way in the future, and I think this was the very first Satellite Five episode. And they were walking oh, yeah. around. The, okay. They were walking around the market. Or they were walking around somewhere, and she goes, oh, look, this this is like a place where you can get a drink. And so she's sucking on this soda, and she goes, it's it's uh, it's beef? And, this, and <laughs> just the thought of that. Yuck. We're back to Jones Colas. <laughs> we just think oh. of these weird, I mean, no, things that we want to no, eat. No, 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 so. no. But that leads us into our homework. We've kind of danced around this. Um, we want to know if any of you have tried the three flavors of chips that are up for the new Lay's contest. And uh, just to review those, it's um, Sriracha or Sriracha, however you want to pronounce that, depending on where, yeah. Yeah, those sound Um, good. uh, Spicy garlic cheese bread. No. Okay, those. That sounds good. Yeah, I'm I'm into that. And then chicken and waffle. No. No. No? We we actually do have some people on staff who have tried said chicken and waffle. Um, oh, and I agree with, with what, what Buddy, former, former third chair Buddy has said, uh, which is it, this would be better if it was Ruffles because I prefer Ruffles over Lay's. Lay's are just kind of too thin and, and sometimes you, whatever they flavor them with, especially barbecue, just never goes away. It always stays on your hands. I, I do think it's neat that they're trying new flavors, though. Yeah, this is cool. And we do actually have feedback from Toonhead, an EOL listener. And uh, nope, we're not going to play it now because we don't want to influence what you think about these as you taste them. So you got to go in with no expectations and no influence whatsoever. Uh, We will share Toonhead's thoughts along with yours on any of these three flavors. You can send us an email to resources at serotalk.com. 
And, of course, uh, you can get us on Twitter, twitter.com slash show, And you can leave us an iReport through iBlink Radio, either from your iOS device or your Android device. And remember, you can find a lot about what our future homework is going to be or even show ideas by keeping an eye on EOL Show on Twitter. That's how Blind Educator let us know, Luis, about uh, what he thought of the chicken and waffle version of these Lay's potato chips. Rockstar, you caught up on a couple of movies as well this year. Um, did, did you see this this thing about the Avengers? I did see the Avengers, yeah. Um, So uh, the video really, really, really leaves a lot to be desired from what I can tell in uh, some people might have found one or two plot holes. This is a Tesseract, and that's pretty much all you'll ever know for sure about it. Secret military research facility on brightly lit exposed Mesa. Helicopters do not need to follow roadways. Coulson wears sunglasses at night. Nick Fury's character development literally begins and ends with eye patch. Exciting superhero movie starts with plotting exposition. Possibly racist movie kills two Asian extras in a row. Tesseract powers allow for mind control by tapping the center of the chest. Dangerous energy source, space doorway with gamma radiation? Screw it. Transport by hand. The bulletproof vest fake out. First action piece of major superhero film is a boring car chase. Scene does not contain a lap dance. Bruce Banner is hiding out where only little girls and S.H.I.E.L.D. can find it. Superhero Pissing Contest. Supervillain Prisoner Left Unattended. Superhero Pissing Contest Number 2. Cap and Iron Man Almost Kiss. Mighty Helicarrier Basically Neutered by One Freaking Arrow. Clearly no radio in his ear, but he pretends to have one. Computer Virus Delivered by Arrow. For a super soldier, Captain America is a terrible shot. Loki tricks Thor with the old Lucy Charlie Brown football prank. So Loki's plan was to get captured on purpose and then have Hawkeye break him out, but no real objective? Long, boring fight scene between characters we are already trying not to hate. Tesseract mind control powers erased with a simple blow to the head. Fury gives intimidating death stare to a computer screen. Dying person can finish their last profound statement before dying cliche. Bad news negates the need for medical care. Too bad Loki's mind control powers only work if the scepter touches the exact center of a person's chest. Generic bad guy soldiers whose abilities and shortcomings are never explained. Why are they even trying to stop an army that we never once see kill or injure a human being? Captain America's really more of a super gymnast than a superhero. Black Widow knows exactly how to handle and fire an alien weapon seconds after picking it up. And suddenly, there was Bruce Banner on a motorcycle. Production Design 101. Don't imitate anything from Transformers. Hulk can suddenly control his powers because the story demands it. Thor's lightning turns out to be really, really effective against the aliens, but he only uses it once. The Council would rather definitely kill everyone in New York with a nuclear weapon than maybe have some die in an alien invasion. Loki gets caught monologuing. Nick Fury fires a missile at an American to stop him from firing a missile at Americans. All the enemy soldiers die like once the mothership is exploded. There is no gravity in space, but Iron Man falls back to Earth anyway. Are Banner and Stark dating now? Credit scene to tease the next movie turns out to be homework assignment. Shwarma scene missed by any moviegoer who didn't realize there would be two end credit scenes. So basically, everyone. That odd version of a theme song that you hear in the background is from Game of Thrones. Something that I've been uh, sort of catching up on. I really haven't been watching the HBO series as closely as everybody else because uh, I read the books, as we know, in in the earlier episodes of this show. So I haven't felt the need to be on the the cutting edge with everybody. But here recently, um, I've started to watch the series and catch up with uh, where some of these are just to actually watch Tyrion Lannister in in real time and live you know true high definition television and they um, cast him so well 
he, he fits that character. He just, it's just really neat. But there, there's certain parts of this that I really, really want to see as they get to Storm of Swords. And then there's a large portion that I don't want to see <laughs> when they get to Storm of Swords. Namely, the two, the, the, around the two thirds of that bookmark. I'm, that was one of the periods that I almost gave up the series whole. Uh, Rockstar knows that there, there are three pivotal points in the five books where I've almost walked away from this series. And, and Storm, Storm of Swords was one of those moments where I literally almost stopped. But it should be interesting to see because how they filmed this part. Boring or because it was just... Um... George R. R. Martin is not nice to his characters. And Nobody no, he in is that not. world has a happy day. At some point or another, everybody gets it. It doesn't matter if you're a good it's guy or bad a bad It's bad times guy. around the old homestead. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um... You know, that's what I was told when I looked at re reading the books. Uh, somebody said, uh, just don't get attached to any of the characters. Never. No. <laughs> and, and it would suck to have a scrape or any type of cut in that universe. First aid kits are not around much so you you really really don't ever want to get injured um that's brought forth pretty quickly in the books and you don't want to be a girl in that universe because girls don't no, have it no you're <clears throat> pretty not valued no so um that's pretty consistent also he talks about food a lot so that is a very interesting thing the series is going to have an ending the book series george has said has an ending the tv series will have an ending so there will be uh, if you're afraid that he's going to get hit by a bus or a van Coming in the case in of Stephen King. 2028. <laughs> There's that too. There is a sample chapter of book six, so that does exist. Yeah, well, I did, no, I don't care because there were sample <laughs> chapters. There were three that got switched like uh, for about three or four years for Dance with Dragons. So this means nothing. What was, uh, what were you saying about Stephen King and getting hit by a bus? What? Van, uh, uh, remember he was he was hit by the van. That actually works into the Dark Tower series a little. I mean, there there was that because there was a lot of books that would a never be completed or b possibly not be completed, and that's what got Mister King to finish some of the things like the Dark Tower and and write Doctor Sleep and some other books. Um, well, this did happen with Robert Jordan, and I remember yeah. when I read the first Wheel of Time book in the author's very short biography uh you know it's robert jordan lives with his wife harriet and blah 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 and he says that he will be writing until they nail shut his coffin yep and the first time i read that i thought oh no that may happen someday <laughs> and it did and 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 he did he did write until uh, you know basically until they nails shut his coffin but he knew in enough time that this was going to happen that he was able to make arrangements to choose another author to carry the series forward so that it could be complete and supposedly martin has done the same he's outlined the ending of the of the next two books and and what's supposed to happen and the character arcs and i would imagine hbo kind of sort of said look if we're going to put a bunch of money into this thing we got to have an ending, okay? So you, you kind of sort of got to tell us how this is going to work because we'll have millions and millions of people really, really upset with us. Um, upsetting also is the, um, I've heard a lot about girls. So I started to watch this and I don't know. It's a very interesting series. Uh, I, I, like any HBO series, 
it kind of says, oh, here's some sexy parts and you should be watching this and then breaks into more of a character study. I, I feel like some of this has been done before. It's not Sex in the City. It's not the L word. Uh, it is its own show. But, you know, I've got HBO Go as an app, so I want something to kill time with. And that was just one of the things I decided. I may go to Treme or some others while waiting for True Blood to restart. The other thing that I've been spending a lot of time with is Saturday mornings, I've been nostalgic and using Netflix to watch animated shows uh, on Saturday mornings because there's there's really not that many left. Uh, even if you have Cartoon Network and The Hub and XD and all these others, there isn't that much choice as far as animation goes. It's more cheaper to do live action. So I've started to get into some of these, like I had never watched uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. This is more sh really shooting for a, a T14 crowd, uh, you know, y, Y7-ish or a little above. And it's uh, Spider-Man as if he had been recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. and had to work with Power Man and Iron Fist and White Tiger and uh, um, one other, oh gosh, I can't think of his name because Spider-Man doesn't like him, so I've kind of sort of kicked him out of my head too. Uh, Rocket, dude, Rocket Man, Rocket something. Anyway, the voice cast is very, very good in this. The uh, universe is really well told. It has a lot of nonsensical parts as if it told from Spidey's vantage point. Feels very comic booky, uh, and has some, some modern day quips in there. But the stories and the action are pretty good, and the telling of, of uh, his rogues gallery is actually pretty good. But if you're looking for something more adult, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes is really good. It was like 90s X-Men or better good. And uh, there's, there's 52 episodes available on Netflix at the time of recording, 26 episodes a season. They broke it down into 13 episode story arcs. It is like reading the comics. The first season literally doesn't kind of put the Avengers together right away. Tony Stark has to kind of sort of find them and build them. There are some great tellings of what happens with S.H.I.E.L.D. in the rogues gallery there. Really neat. When you get to season two, you get a lot of the cameos. So you get Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. Galactus has an awesome cameo. So there's some interesting stuff. And uh, there are huge ramifications in fact, there's setups too. Uh, there's actually a, a mention of what happens in Marvel Civil War that is going to happen, I imagine, in this animated version uh, when they really start pressing Captain America and others to register. Uh, that doesn't happen in season one or season two, but it's it's left out there. But they do Kang the Conqueror, which is not easily done. And uh, they actually will drop heroes out at a, at a large clip. You'll actually lose Thor for like four or five episodes. You'll lose Hulk for four or five episodes. So it isn't a typical bad guy shows up. They run off to beat bad guy. Bad guy goes away. End of episode. Everybody's happy. There actually are some major ramifications. And like I said, if you like the old Saban 90s X-Men, this is better with less melodrama because that series did happen to get a little too melodrama e uh but if you want to get a preview of days of future past the new x-men movie to come out this year i would go back and watch the old x-men animated because they actually do a really good job at days of future past which is literally going to be the plot of this upcoming x-men movie that kind of bridges x-men the first generation the first class universe with the x-men the last stand universe Mr. Reeves, what have you been consuming, sir? We just went and saw Oz, the uh, the Oz movie, and fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And for those who are 
you know, who don't really know, L. Frank Baum wrote like 15 of these books. I don't know how many there are. But the Oz universe is huge. And he wrote them like in 1910. And so, you know, what, what I think that people were afraid of was a Hollywood reboot or someone's, you know, weirdo take on what they thought that the Oz universe should be, you know, this or that. And, and I think we're all afraid of that because Hollywood is so easy to reboot something. Why did they reboot Spider-Man within 10 years? I have no idea with like this brand new Spider-Man that's coming out. It just doesn't make any sense. So the thing is, is to see this happen, it's so well done. Samuel Ramey did such a great job with it. I don't know. That's my opinion. Also, Wreck-It Ralph, I did see that was fantastic. I mean, that is like the – they're now going to – I don't know how they're going to one-up themselves. This is the two yeah, – sequel coming. This is the Toy Story of this generation. It is so – just a, such a neat idea, such an inventive idea. Books, I'm kind of like waffling between three or four books. You know, I finished Ready Player One, and I, I really just Ready Player One took like three three days because I was so <laughs> entranced into it yeah. that like yeah. uh, I stayed up I don't know how many nights just going through this book, and I'm like, okay, now I've got to find more books that are like this where people are trapped in a they're they're kind of wandering in a video game universe, and so I found this book called Air Apparent, which it's all right. It's a, a young girl gets a gift certificate to this virtual reality gaming facility that's in the future. A group of lobbyists uh, who don't like the virtual reality company or they don't like the idea of children you know, going into these virtual reality worlds storm the building and, and cause electrical failure, which causes her to be trapped in the game. Thus, if she dies, it's for real. She, you know, it's, I think it's for younger readers the way that a lot of this is worded. Uh, but it is still a neat concept. Also, rereading Imagica by Clive Barker. Yay! The absolute pinnacle of, I mean, that is a fantastic novel. I've, I've, I think I said on the last, when I was here before, that I was going to reread that. And I finally got to it. I'm also reading this, finishing up this book called Eon. And I don't, I can't remember the, the. Uh, I've got to look up the the author. I posted the Wikipedia to you. It's an amazing concept. It's It's very... Very heady. It has to do with this space station that these, the future that that a future Earth created and put back into the late nineties. This was, book was written in nineteen eighty five, and it's really hard to kind of explain to you. But when you read this book, it will bend your mind so far out of whack because there's so much about physics and time travel and um, how things are constructed and you know, just unbelievable environments that you can't even imagine have been created in this book. A room full of floating avatars and just amazing stuff. You got to read it really ahead of its time. And uh, on the less geekier side, I'm obsessed with Shark Tank, which is this reality show about business startups getting funding. It's it's just awesome to watch. It's an education in if I'm a small business owner and uh you know, getting, you know, funding and how to do that and how to value your company and just great stuff. So that's kind of been my consuming lifestyle. So 
Well, I guess it's my turn to talk about what I have been consuming, and there's so much. We haven't recorded in such a long time that I just feel like talking about everything I've read or seen or done since the last time, but uh, I suppose I won't. I will talk about the things that have most recently captured my attention. Uh, The first one is a series of books called The Demon Cycle. This is by Peter V. Brett. I've just discovered this author this year, or at the very end of last year. I discovered him along with Brent Weeks, which you should also certainly check out. The Demon Cycle, though, book three just came out in February, and boy was I ever surprised, because I thought that this series of books was going to be a trilogy, And then I read to the end of book three and was left with my mouth hanging open and going, but wait! So uh, there's apparently a lot more to come in that universe than has been released thus far. If you want a series that uh, is complete, this one was perhaps written for a younger audience, you know, a young adult type thing although I don't find it any less enjoyable for that. It's the Chaos Walking series by Patrick Ness, and uh, it begins with The Knife of Never Letting Go. This is one of those that is written with a lot of dialect, so there's a lot of interesting spellings and such in the book. If uh, you're reading this on Audible, you won't notice that, but if you're reading this in some other format, you will notice that um, the book is written intentionally with lots of misspellings by the main character who is sort of semi-illiterate, or at least was before he, you know, wrote this series of books and what happened in this world that he's in. I won't say a whole lot about the plot because uh, it's it's... So much happens, and I'm horrible with synopses, so I would recommend reading the synopsis of this. It's a very interesting blend of, I won't even really say sci-fi or fantasy, but it's somehow, it, it takes elements from both those genres, but I wouldn't classify it in either, really. It's uh, not easy to classify, so... There you have it. You just learned absolutely nothing about this book. You can't accuse me of giving you spoilers. You can, however, read the synopsis for the first book, which is, again, The Knife of Never Letting Go. And uh, the first book in the Demon Cycle is called The Warded Man. The other thing I've been checking out, and this has been around for a while, and I would catch episodes every now and again, but it's uh, the Sword and Laser podcast with Tom Merritt Tom and, and Veronica, Veronica yeah. Belmont. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do a really nice job. And one of my favorite things that they do is that they will actually dedicate shows to interviewing some of their favorite authors. And they've done this for Patrick Rothfuss and Robin Hobb, uh, who happen to be two of my favorite authors. Lots more that they've done. They do have a YouTube channel, so you can get these episodes there. Or you can just go to swordandlaser.com and uh, check out what's there as well. Daniel Suarez. uh, Yep. 
Klein from Ready Player One. Ernest um, Klein, yes. Yeah, they, there's there's a lot of great ones. In fact, um, it's always exciting to read a book that Tom and Veronica deem worthy, or that you they're getting to a book that you've already read. You know, that's the if you like some of the books that we talk about on this show, you will really get into that podcast a lot and. Uh, Tom, if you follow the Twit Network, definitely Tech News Today, Frame Rate, uh, where he talks about cord cutting, and um, Geek and Sundry, his other side project, is really good. Veronica is on too many shows. Uh, <laughs> she's uh, Techzilla and some of the stuff on the Revision 3 Network, and she's done some video game work on the side uh, and talks a lot about PlayStation. She was actually uh, on the PlayStation Core for a while. So uh, Veronica now does things for Microsoft. She actually just did something for the uh, Xbox 360 with Larry Herbick. So there is some interesting stuff out there. And, you know, you guys sent in some other podcasts that we should learn about. Check out this one about Star Trek. Hi, EOL folks. This is Mary from California. have just found out that there is a new Star Trek podcast out there called Mission Log. It's hosted by two individuals who would like to discuss each of the Star Trek episodes from the original series through Enterprise, analyze, describe the plot, interviews, etc. And if they do this weekly and keep it up, it will take them 13.961538 years to get through all of them. So we'll see how far they get. You can join via iTunes, which I have no information about since I don't use it, or you can join via RSS, that RSS feed is Mission Log, that's all one word, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-L-O-G, dot Libsyn, L-I-B, as in boy, S-Y-N, dot com, slash R-S-S. The production, what I've heard so far, is excellent, and they even give show summaries to refresh your memory. There is a website, www.missionlogpodcast, that's all one word, dot com slash go for it if you're an avid star trek fan which i am and have fun thank you mary for that one yeah it sounds like there's some job security there if they're going to go through each one of those uh gate world did this very recently um also and of course i talked about uh farscape the guys over at say farscape and the scape cast uh, we're doing this where uh, a gentleman was introducing his wife to, to uh, Farscape and going through each episode one by one, kind of a virtual companion or virtual season, if you will. And it's neat. If you haven't actually watched a season of some of these shows before, these companion podcasts can actually bring a lot to it. Um, and uh, there are, uh, if you're into Doctor Who, the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance, I've mentioned this before, but there is just about a podcast out there for almost any type of facet of Doctor Who that you're interested in, be it costuming, um, be it uh, in the realm of music, uh, like what Dr. Phil does, where he analyzes all the different soundtracks, or the new uh, Verity podcast, which is all ladies talking about their favorite aspects of Doctor Who, like some of the uh, ladies from the Chick Chicks Dig Time Lords book and of course uh some of the other uh people who are affiliated with radio free scaro and those that that's really an interesting podcast just started so if you're looking for a podcast to start that doesn't have triple digits in its numbers um that may be one to give uh, a chance to listen to as well catching up again the amazing spider-man we talked about it last year this video 
really, I don't know. This this trailer doesn't necessarily make me want to go grab it on video. Uh, let's just take a listen. This summer, witness yet another Spider-Man origin story, just so Sony can retain the rights to the character. Peter Parker was just an attractive, intelligent, likable, athletic, well-dressed teenage loser. But when he easily walks into a high-security lab, one radioactive spider bite will give Peter the ability to twitch like a crackhead, break everything. Get every father figure in his life murdered. Act like a complete jerk every chance he gets. I just did 80% of your job, huh? Who does this to you? Please, please go to sleep. And stutter worse than Shia LaBeouf in Transformers. Um, so, uh, you want to, uh, I don't know, um, I don't know, just, uh, um, I don't know, I was, I was, uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 don't, no, don't, no, okay, no, okay. Okay, 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 I gotta tell you this one thing, I gotta tell you this one thing, I, I wish I could just... Embark on a romantic journey where the hottest girl in school falls for this creepy stalker. He's got you on his computer. <laughs> Proving that love always prevails, even when you have gaping wounds that require immediate medical attention. Immerse yourself in the epic battle between a hero who refuses to fight with his mask on and a villain with the most cliche origin story imaginable, who is conveniently connected to the most important people in Peter's life. Kurt Connors. That's the name of the guy in the picture with your dad. Dr. Curtis Connors was also my daughter's mentor. Is that who you're talking about? That's the one. Experience the re-retold story of an uncle who strives to find yet another way of saying with great power comes great responsibility. That if you could do good things for other people, you had a moral obligation to do those things. That's what's at stake here. Not choice, responsibility. Swing along with the smartest teenager in Manhattan, who uses the MySpace of search engines and does a terrible job of hiding his secret identity. Seriously, nobody thought that was odd? Starring. Baby Head, Charlie Sheen's dad, Forrest Gump's mom, Detective O'Murphy McIrish, the Geico Gecko, Octomom, and Lindsay Lohan, if she had better parents. The not really that amazing Spider-Man. Uh, at least Kirsten Dunst wasn't in it. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book. A reading rainbow. A reading rainbow. Well, it's time to go between those covers and uh, take a look at some of the other stuff. Not that we haven't talked about books already, but uh, there's a little bit more book stuff that we need to take care of from EOL9. And also, uh, shout out to Tim Kilgore on Twitter, who, uh, like someone else on this very podcast, just read Ready Player One. That is an excellent book. Yes, indeed. I don't know how they're going to turn that into a movie, and they and and they've talked to Ernest Klein. the The movie has already been optioned; it's going to happen. But they're looking for a studio that has a lot of iconic characters so they can use them, because there's just so much of that 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 won't be able to be used because of the licensing fees and whatnot. But it's definitely going to be an interesting film. Yeah, I he said Warner in the end of the book. Warner could mean anything. 
<laughs> it could be uh, New Line. It could be some of the old leftover MGM stuff that they still own that Sony doesn't. It could be. There's just a lot that when you say Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Time Warner is different than Warner Brothers. It just gets into a logistical nightmare. It would be interesting though because then he could, do, you know, they could do the Matrix uh, and they can do. Certainly some of the things with Lord of the Rings, because that's New Line. And so some of those things can carry over. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they'll do the Monty Python bit, if they do the Monty Python bit. Maybe they'll turn around and use a Warner Brothers movie. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, definitely go read Ready Player One, a fantastic and previous homework assignment. Are there any other books in that kind of genre of, this creates like a whole new genre, like the idea of, being inside of a game or, or something like that. People people like that. People Aha. do like that. And I think I have read a couple of books that would loosely fall into this genre, but sadly they were so not memorable that I couldn't tell you about them. So he is the first to really do this well. Our homework assignment is kind of like that. If you uh, know that uh, Demon and Freedom and especially Demon, kind of starts off the same way as Ready Player One. It really does. And it then breaks off dramatically in a different different way because it's, it's more based in a quote-unquote real-world situation. But Demon is a fantastic book and really will sweep you up into that. If you haven't read either one of these books, then you might want to look at the fast-forward button because uh, <laughs> Rockstar and I are about to talk about it just a little bit here. I and I read these books like you did, Mr. Reeves, almost like front to back in a weekend. I read Demon first, and then the next weekend I read Freedom. I actually came to these the, these a little later as they got popular and then started to listen to them. And what I love about these two books is that there's so much real-world technology that crosses over. I mean, uh, Daniel is kind of an IT, was a former IT guru, and so he bases a lot of this on near tech. And just some of the conversations that these guys have are based real on technology that's coming. I mean, if you look at what happens in freedom as uh, a certain society grows to power, they're using Google Glass. For all intents and purposes, that, that's coming. And uh, some of the gesture technology that they talk about and some of the ways that it interacts with the web and the dark net, that is scary, scary close. And keep in mind that these books were written, what, three years ago, I think? Uh, maybe a little... Yeah, I think it was about three years ago. So the things that were near tech at that time are even more possible now. It's like you said with Google Glass. This book is so interesting to read because it is incredibly plausible and because it was written by somebody who was a big tech guru you don't get that sense of somebody kind of floundering around where he had this idea and he wanted to put a lot of techno babble in there to make it sound believable but it wasn't based on any real knowledge this is uh, way plausible we had so many people who had already read these books uh, you know, before we offered them as homework, including our resident geek and colleague, uh, Matt Campbell. We haven't strapped him into the third chair yet, but he is a technologist extraordinaire. And even he commented on kind of the realism and just how possible some of this stuff could be. 
Well, I haven't read his new book yet. I heard his new book is even more logged into reality, which scares me yeah, even more. Yeah, this is called Kill Decision. Uh, it's been out for probably about four months, months now. Yeah, 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 a couple of months. Yeah, easily. I'm interested in reading it, but I'm just afraid to read it because he, he talks about some stuff. I mean, there's a scene in Freedom especially, the coffee shop scene. This is the one that I often huh. tell people. Um, where this yuppie dude cuts in front of a very high level person in the society, uh, on the dark net. And the gentleman asks him nicely to go to the back of the line because he cut in line and uh yuppie dude says no. And, uh, with just a wave of his hand and these, you know, virtual reality, Google glass, like, you know, glasses, um, he does a wave and pings all his devices and so by the time this guy gets up in line to buy his cup of coffee, uh, every credit card has been declined. Uh, every, everything about this guy, uh, the, the gentleman knows about, and he's severed ties, wiped out his, his you know, ID card. Uh, he has parking tickets, unpaid parking tickets, uh, foreclosure. I mean, th- this guy's done, just literally done. By the time he's walking back to his car, um, he's, he's just in shambles. I mean, it... It is that kind of moment in this book uh, that really kind of makes you go, <gasps> whoa, and that it's not based completely in fantasy, that that these concepts that are talked about in Demon and Freedom are kind of there, except for the parts that you might be interested in, uh, Mr. Reeves, in which that you have a game component, because this all rises through the concept of a game and being a part of that game, and then gaming culture then takes over. And so rather than a monolithic corporation that exists in the shadows, that's doing a contest to do something about society, this was someone out to change society who ran a gaming company and how it affects the real world. And it is very, very interesting. There's some Tom Clancy elements, especially in Demon. Uh, when they go to storm uh, the head of this this Steve Jobs-like person's house. Uh, and then it really gets nice and ethereal and science fiction-y by, by um, freedom. But there's also some bits about culture and how culture arises and how you form a society. So if you're interested in any of that, and you haven't read these books already, go read Demon and Freedom. The Audible versions are very well read. And uh, I highly recommend those if you get an opportunity. So we talked about Disney earlier and the question was asked, uh, how did we feel about Star Wars? And we, we, we put the conversation on hold because I wanted to have a more larger discussion here. And the reason why is because our new homework, uh, is James Stewart's Disney war. And this is a book about Roy Disney and Michael Eisner and what happened at Disney, how Disney was sort of falling apart in the seventies, early eighties, how it rebranded, re- just rised from the Phoenix and became who it was after Roger rabbit and, uh, hand drawn automation animation, how it went, where it went live action, touchstone, how that studio rose, how Beverly Hills cop influenced, uh, Disney and so much more. Uh, it is a real interesting take on, Disney culture and the stories that go around on how all of this stuff came up. And it, I read this about the time 
that the Star Wars stuff was starting to happen with Lucas. And it made me go back and read some things. So to answer your question from earlier in the podcast, George Lucas had met with Disney people in the 90s. And they had actually approached about buying Lucasfilm before. And it was from those conversations with Bob Iger that Lucas then created the second trilogy. Although if you, if you're a star Wars purist, you already knew that there were three trilogies to begin with. And Lucas has been doing misinformation to make you think that, uh, there's only been three movies. There's never been any other movies, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. There was, there was, there were treatments out there for three trilogies for a long time. That's actually in, been in star log of all places. Uh, and so Disney became more attracted to Lucasfilm because George spent time building a bigger franchise, more characters to value Lucasfilm higher. Because if you think about it in the mid nineties, all you had was the original trilogies and some other properties in the video game units and stuff like that. So George going back and creating the first three movies is what helped him then go back and ask for $4 billion from Disney. And if you read this book, Disney war, you'll understand how Disney wants to own our cultural touchstones. They want to be able to have Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm. They are kind of going to be the clearinghouse of some of these things that we hold near and dear as kids and grow up generationally because of course, things like moratorium where Disney can, take a iconic picture, put it away for seven years, and then re-release it to a new generation. This book actually talks about how Disney kind of screwed themselves up with home video and where they made mistakes and why the Netflix deal makes a hell of a lot of sense. The book goes up to about uh, 2005, but there's a lot of stuff in there about ABC, ESPN, so it's not all about you know Mickey Mouse. It's actually a lot about the business. If you've ever wanted to know how these things really do work, in how uh, a company would approach another company or how did the show lost almost not happen and how long does it take to film one of those things it's a great book to read so definitely check this out james stewart disney war we'll talk more about it in eol 11. well that's just about going to wrap up this particular episode of end of line we have covered a lot of ground if this episode felt kind of weird it's because like rockstar was saying there was just so much that we haven't been able to talk about in a couple of months but we think we've rectified it and got it out of our system and uh, ready to go on something fresh and new in the next episode uh where can they find us rockstar to be able to pass along their viewpoints on what we've talked about today you can catch us at twitter.com slash eol show if you want to keep up with the strange and bizarre stories that we tweet uh, and things going on in our heads. You can also check out eolshow.com to follow along at home with show notes of all the strange and bizarre things that we talk about here. Resources at saratalk.com. If you want to drop us an email or, of course, send us an iReport using your iOS or Android device. And, oh yeah, if you want to follow us individually twitter.com slash ranger station and twitter.com slash ricky underscore inger for mr reeves there are lots of places to find him and of course his music because he's got several projects tell us a little about that sir my big project right now is my donation project for my upcoming album i'm still 
working heavily on that. It's almost been a year since we've started that thing, but um, just trying to get things funded and everything. You go to kevinreeves.net, make a donation. You can get uh, tons of free stuff. When the record comes out, you get a free copy of the album or you get a copy of the documentary or whatever. You'll see it all on the site. Uh, If you like metal, you can check out cratermakerband.com. If you like hard rock kind of stuff, political angst, you can check out freefalleffect.com. That's several of my projects. We've got everything on iTunes, Bandcamp. Uh, You can download my first album for free. And uh, follow me at Reevesman, R-E-E-V-S-M-A-N on Twitter, or K Reeves Music. And you post some interesting side stuff. Uh, like I said, we talked about Prodigy, and uh, you posted some other stuff. And you and I have traded uh, links back and forth. Uh, so follow follow all of us, because you'll get a lot of crosstalk between us here on the show. And most of our third chairs. Most of the people that you hear in the third chair are, are, are good friends of ours, and Uh, do amazing things and that's why we want them to come over here and tell you about some of the cool stuff that we know they already do so check out all those links and more and you can hear about me whine about important stuff not being accessible which affects my job and (laughs) how i there you go annoyed now these 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 things do happen now to keep up with the idea that we're catching up but still doing things differently how about a dramatic reading from a Shakespearean actor for Ooh, our, our little go out here. If everybody can, you know, get ready for nap time, get your pillows, your blankies, and your mats. Uh, let's let's sit down and hear someone who is from the Royal Shakespearean Company read us a passage from my book. Do you trust me? I tie you up to maintain absolute control over what we're about to do. What happens in this room will be very intense for you. Now let's get started. I want you to clasp the back of your head. Ah, well, the back of your neck will do. Thirty inches should be enough twine to bind you up. I'm going to restrain your legs now by crossing the ends of this twine around your ankles. It won't leave marks. You have such beautiful skin. I'm going to bind your ankles to your tail so your juices will build and build inside you. I'm going to stretch the twine around your breast, pressing your limbs tightly against your sides. This will not hurt, but you will be unable to move in the slightest. I tug one last time so you know who's in control. This knot I'm tying around your breast, it's so simple, but effective. I have scissors here. I can cut you free whenever it pleases me. You see, most of the fear is in your head. You look mighty fine trussed up like this. Holy crap. Let's do, um, let's take five so I can go let the dog out and, uh... Who let the dog out? Woof. 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 Wow. Yes, let me... I'm gonna get a glass. I wanna get some Coke. (laughs) Yeah, I need something to drink as well. This makes a good place to break. 
cool. No, I'm good. <laughs>